episode of the webinar and podcast from the Centre for Christianity in Society. This is the fourth in our series, Conversations on Coronavirus. For more information about the Centre and to access our growing body of articles, videos and podcast episodes, please visit our website, christianityinsociety.org, or you can follow us on social media under the handle at Christ in Society. And this series has been exploring various aspects of how Christians are responding to the coronavirus crisis. And we've had a variety of guests, so we have others lined up to join us to share in conversation about experiences of life, work and faith during this global pandemic. We hope that the content will be both thought-provoking and practically relevant. My name is Paul Coulter, I'm the director of the Centre, and in today's episode I'm joined by two guests who are good friends, Alison Mark and Jeff Donaldson, to hear some thoughts from them about coping with loneliness and loss based on their experience both in this situation and in previous situations. Alison and Jeff, it would be great just to hear a bit about yourselves. Alison, do you want to tell us who you are, where you are, and a little bit about your life? Well, it's nice to be with you, Paul, and thank you for inviting me. Um, I am now living in Moira, uh, my 19th move, believe it or not. Um, I have six children and six wonderful grandchildren. Um, how I spent my time, I have a wonderful garden, which I thoroughly enjoy and have enjoyed in lockdown. And I do a lot of mentoring in this area. I'm involved also with Exodus. Yeah, brilliant. And Moira is a lovely village. Obviously, I would say in the outskirts of the city where I live, Lisburn, you know, but uh, you mightn't like it called that. But it, uh, no, it's great to have you with us, Alison. Jeff, uh, do you want to tell us a bit about your, yourself? Yeah, sure. It's good to be with you both. Um, so I live here in Lisburn, so not too far away from Moira. And uh, I live here with uh, my wife, uh, Rosalina. Uh, she works as a social prescriber, working with people in isolation, older people in isolation. And uh, we have our younger daughter lives here with us. Two other children, one in Scotland, one in England. Uh, I've been living in Zimbabwe the last few years, um, but since the turn of the year, I've been here in Lisbon and it's been an interesting phase of life. Uh, before I came back, I, I said in a prayer letter about this might be about a period of being rather than doing and I didn't expect it <laughs> with COVID-19 that it really would be a period of being and so at the moment I'm currently unemployed seeking the way ahead with uh, just the Lord's guidance but mm. that doesn't of course mean I'm inactive so I've got plenty of tasks to do in and around the home here as well as a little bit of speaking here and there as well so yeah. good to be with you. Jeff, your your Rosalina doesn't sound like a, a typical Irish or Northern Irish name she's originally no. from yeah, she's from the Netherlands, so uh, we have half our families over in the Netherlands and the rest over here in the UK. Just ju just say that in case we've got any listeners in the in the Netherlands or viewers, you know, Jeff, we're trying to get our international reach, but I'll not ask you to do the episode in Dutch. Uh, you might be able to, but I wouldn't. <laughs> well, in interestingly, I've been doing a little, a little bit of Dutch language in, the, in oh, really? my quiet time here at the oh, moment. Wow. So, yeah. Well, well, that, we'll save that for another episode, but yeah. uh, no, great to have you with us. Yeah. Um, Jeff, you, you mentioned obviously you've been in Zimbabwe for a few years and, and I know that initially Rosalina and one of your children was with you there and um, but then more recently you were there on your own. I, I mean obviously I know that wouldn't have been exactly the same as this coronavirus lockdown but there might be some resonances. Were there challenges that you experienced and maybe ways of 
coping with that or facing that that might be helpful for people? Yeah, as it, you know, I came back before lockdown happened there, just as it's happened here. But certainly there were things. I remember one of my family members said to me, did that help prepare me for this period? And I think, I think in some ways it did. I mean, hmm. certainly I find myself in a situation during 2019 of living by myself in the house and also working most of the time out of the house as well. So hmm. I really missed a lot of face-to-face -face, you know, interaction with people. I was mm -hmm. able to still do communication through WhatsApp and so on. But even because of limitations in power there and everything, it really was quite isolating. You couldn't go out in the evenings, sometimes a little bit for security reasons, but just were encouraged to stay at home. And mm. so you're quite cut off. And um, also, I think with being in a different culture, there was a sense of isolation with that. Mm. And then, I mean, I felt isolated from church family as well, quite a bit through having uprooted from my church family here, which is Hope Church. Mm. and to be away and it's not that i didn't have people over there uh, you know connected to me in some ways but it certainly mm. was quite isolating um mm. I, I think out of that a couple of things that struck me was that i mean isolation is not the same as loneliness mm. um, it can lead to loneliness but it doesn't have to lead to loneliness and some people are very uh, at ease with being in a more isolated situation but undoubtedly i think i did experience times of loneliness mm. um, not at all sound in a negative way, but uh, there was a sense of loss of interpersonal connection. Yeah. And I really missed that. Um, and I think one of the challenges, I know before I went out, I, I was working out in Zimbabwe with serving a mission, doing some leadership training and, and sort of supporting leaders. But I remember before I went out, one of the issues that the mission wanted to talk about quite rightfully was, well, how will you cope mentally in that kind of context? Yeah. You know, yeah. which could be an isolation. And that was before I realized of having, you know, a whole year on my own. Um, and I think, I think for me, something that's really helpful, and I hope it's helpful for, you know, folks listening in. Um, when we go back to the beginning of the Bible, the first few chapters of Genesis, we have there really the essence, the origins of life, and the essence of what life is about and what sustains mm -hmm. life. And there's stuff there about, um, you know, there's, there's, there's structure, there's creativity, there's rest, there's purpose, there's relationship. And that's all built in. And I think no matter where we are, under whatever circumstances, all those elements need to be there. Mm. And so I think for me, both then, but even in this period of, of lockdown, it's taking those principles and working them into my life. I'll give you a few practical examples mm. you know, just to show you. So, you know, I, I suppose for structure, it's important for me to build structure into my day. Mm. So even say at the moment with being unemployed, I still try to spend, you know, two to three hours in the morning reading, reflecting, a little yeah. bit of preparation. Then we do practical tasks and some relaxation, you know, and I think that structure is helpful. Um, I think as well that uh, I think creativity is really important to us as well. I'm not an overly creative person. I'm not a poet. I'm not a musician. Um, but, you know, for me, it's sometimes out in the garden or just doing mm. a bit of baking. And I think there's an element in that which keeps us just the therapeutically it's quite a good thing to do, to do something creative. Um, but I think as well. Um, you know, just creating those opportunities for, for space as well, mm. uh, to be in the Lord's presence, which has been really important for my well-being. And mm. very often that's about being outside as well. Um, mm. I was referred to living in the Mora area, and there's a, an area there where I love to go for a walk. It's very quiet, and I go for walks. And I can really just think that's a very important element of, of um, coping with a sense yeah. of isolation. 
that time with 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 God as well. But I think it's working those principles into to life and it is good for your well-being and activity is good. And you know, whenever you mention activity, sometimes people think, well, you have to be an athlete or whatever. And no, you don't have to be. Um, some years ago, I, I sort of had to enforce giving a little up on my running a little bit and doing more walking. But I find even that I became much more attentive to mm-hmm. the world around me, which again I think is really slowing, important. Slowing down. Yeah. 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 And um, and I mean, even if you if if there's older people sitting here or people who are more physically limited in their movements, I mean, I, I know I was at the physiotherapist not so long ago, and they were saying it's just important to get out of a chair every twenty minutes. You know, yeah, yeah. And that can be good for our well-being. Yeah, as well. I, I spent too many hours last week on Zoom meetings, leaning forward, and and I've suffered for the last week with a bad back. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm living with that, Jeff. But but so I mean, this all sounds that these these just simply living in that rhythm of of how we were created. I love the way you take that back to creation, and and obviously your faith gives you that perspective. Yeah. Yeah. For folks who are kind of listening, saying, "Well, Genesis one and two—that's a long time ago—and yeah. um, you know, sure, I can do all of those things without God in the picture. Yeah. Is there a dimension for you of? Uh, do you think God has been sort of speaking to you in this season of being, as you put it, rather than doing? Is that? Yeah, I mean, I think very much yes, um, and I'm not, I'm not saying to that's always come easily because I would say, I mean, it's interesting when I was in Zimbabwe and living quite isolated. Yeah. But I was there with a very clear sense of call and a very clear sense of purpose. Yeah. And now with going through this phase of life where I'm not employed, I think it's quite challenging, you know, and not having that same sense of purpose. And sometimes, you know, I have to say with you, I wrestle a bit with you know, with that, you know, within this time of quiet, but at the same stage trying to appreciate there is more space mm. to listen and uh, and I find that helpful and no. um, you know and I think also you know a big important element there is the you know, personal relationship with people yeah. which is so vital and there was a young man from our church that did something online recently and he very much would work in the whole area of technology mm. but he very much was saying as well look you know there's no escape from the importance of our interpersonal relationships face-to-face seeing yeah. people I think yeah. one of the things I've learned when living in isolation is that you can sit back and wait for that to come but it doesn't always come and mm. sometimes you have to take the initiative and we're all different personalities and some of us are shy and find that harder to do but you know um but actually that's really important you know that we yeah. have interpersonal relationship you know to keep us yeah. thanks thanks jeff thank you we'll come back to hear a bit more from you jeff in a moment but another aspect of the the pandemic and i think it's been so visible in the news and the daily reports of mortality death rates are announced many people of course for them this is a personal experience of the deaths of loved ones in very trying situations um alison uh, i've known you and jeff in fact has known you for a good number of years but uh, we both also knew your late husband douglas um, and I'm sure many other people who w- listen to this and watch it may have known him as well. And I know your experience of Douglas's death wasn't constrained by lockdown, but I know you have some reflections on it that I think would be really helpful for people who are fearful of death, uh, maybe have experienced bereavement as well in these days. Can you share something of, of that with us? 
Yes, I'd love to do that, Paul. And as I share with you, first of all, I would just want to say that um, I want to be very sensitive to people who are listening to this, mm. and I wouldn't want to minimize their pain or struggle in any way um, and what they're currently going through. Douglas lived with cancer for the last 10 and a half years of his life, approximately. Mm. Um, and he had a terminal diagnosis for the last six years of those. Uh, he never saw it as a battle or a journey to be feared. And our life together over those years was not defined by his cancer. He used every opportunity um, to preach most Sundays, even with chemo pouring into his veins through his pick line. And mm. we chose to live our lives through the lens of eternity and with the hope of heaven. Douglas died on the 19th of September, 2016. Um, having just walked on the beach with me five days prior to that. Right. Yeah. Death is one of the few certainties in life for all of us, and it is the last enemy that the believer faces because of the fall. But for us, it wasn't a journey to be feared. Mm. And the call, of script, the call of Scripture was all around us. You know, do not be afraid. I am with you. And the truths and promises of God's word at that time became even more real to us. We had the deep assurance that death was not our termination, but our transition into his very presence, which Paul says is far better. The grave doesn't get the last word, Paul, and no coffin could ever be our final destination when we live this side of the resurrection. And mm -hmm. I have written on Douglas's tombstone until the resurrection. So we chose to live our lives um, lightly but well here on earth. Um, and I love the description that Rick Warren gives um, that our life here on earth is really only the dress rehearsal for the real production. Right. <laughs> which is eternal life with Jesus. Yeah. And I often think, you know, are we really homesick for heaven? So when, when Douglas was asked how well he was, and he often was asked, he, his reply was, I'm thankful to be as well as I am, and the mm -hmm. future is glorious. And that was his reply. Yeah. And that strength of, of faith, Alison, that Douglas and you shared in those days and months, even, even years, um, that uh, it sounds like something that was deep rooted in your lives. It, 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 you know, it sustained you through that because it was there previously. I mean, there will be folks listening and I'm sure folks that you have conversation with around death and suffering who are maybe less certain or less confident or, or asking questions around that. What would you say to, to them? Or, well, oh. over, our, over our years, Paul, of ministry together, um, yeah. We have been exposed to death and suffering on quite a few significant occasions. Yeah. Firstly, um, Douglas was a Presbyterian minister and we lived through um, the years of terrorism in Northern Ireland. So we were involved in burying people who had been murdered and yeah. working with those families. And then secondly, uh, the second half of Douglas's ministry was with Open Doors. Mm. representing our persecuted brothers and sisters and many yeah. of whom are choosing faith in Jesus um, are also choosing the certain possibility of immense suffering and even death yeah and they they um waken up 
many mornings saying, is this the day that I meet you, Jesus? Mm. So mm. we have explored together the thread of suffering and death and scripture in God's bigger story yeah. and plan for mankind, not least in the suffering and death of Jesus himself. Yeah. When Jesus cried out, you know, that the cup would be taken from him. And yet he said, not my will, but thine be done. Mm. And it seems to me, I mean, the, the Douglas and you had that time to prepare for his death. And uh, yes. not everybody has that in the process of what leads to their death. Sometimes it comes suddenly. But I suppose the awareness of our mortality that has come with the current uh, crisis should give us pause to think, how do I prepare for my for my death, even if I don't think it'll come in this moment or, you know, because none of us know in that sense, do, do we? So what would what would you say about that preparation for death um, and the hope around that in, in terms of the road as you walked it? Yes, that I think that's a very important point, Paul. We had plenty of time to prepare mm. and we, we made preparations together, both practically and legally. We mm. sorted out our possessions. We gave our children back all the stuff that we carried around for years. Mm. We went through our photographs. We gave them all an album of their journey with their dad. We put our wills in order. We had enduring power of attorney for each mm. other. Mm. Um, we, we made funeral plans and Douglas even planned his Thanksgiving service and talked to the people he wanted to take mm. part. And we even, Paul, had the joy of singing the hymns together before he died. Mm. For example, there is a hope that burns within my heart that gives me strength for every passing day. Mm. And as we made those preparations, we wept together, we celebrated together, and we gave thanks well together. Yeah. So where was our hope and strength and what we know to be true about God? Mm. That when we have been tested, we will come forth, as scripture says, we will see him as our redeemer with our very own eyes, though outwardly, and this was very important to us, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we were being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are far outweighing the eternal glory that was ahead for both of us. So we fixed our eyes not on what is seen, mm. the, the disease and the decline, but yeah. we chose to fix our eyes on what is unseen, on Jesus and heaven and on eternity. For what is seen is so temporary, mm. but what is seen is eternal. And my prayer is for those who are listening that the resurrected Jesus um, would truly lift you up and encourage you and know that he walks with you and mm. sees the beginning from the end and has daily doses of his outrageous grace tailor-made and available for each one. Oh, thanks, Alison. I didn't know the, the passage that you would share, but that phrase, um, outwardly wasting away and inwardly being renewed, has been resonating with me just from, from the Word of God, from, from the New Testament. The Apostle Paul wrote those words and just how, um, how true that is in the Christian experience. So uh, thank you for telling us about that so richly. Um, time is marching on, so we'll we'll keep the, the, the next question really brief, but just thinking about the present, um, 
I, I know, or my sense is that a lot of people are holding out through the current restrictions in the hope that things are going to get back to normal. Um, and then others are kind of distracting themselves, keeping busy with work or binging on box sets and so on. But um, Jeff, are there some lasting lessons do you think that, that we as a society or as individuals should learn from this experience and any lifestyle changes you think we need to, to make? Yeah, I mean, I, I think any experience we go through in life, you know, whether it's illness or, or bereavement or whatever, it's what we learn out of it, isn't it, to take yeah. forward. I've been reading recently a book you'll probably be familiar with by Tony Horsfield and Debbie Hawker looking at resilience. Yeah. At the early stages, they talk about, you know, some of the quotations about that. And resilience isn't about, I don't think it's about bouncing back to some old situation. It's about mm. saying, how do we live through a difficult situation but yeah. live through it in a way that we learn of God and we learn how to develop better patterns of living in our lives. And I think we need to be learning. I've got a few things I'll share with you, although I do so tentatively because I think that I'm, you know, I'm still working on them at the moment. Uh, there's a lot of people beginning to come out and say, this is how church will look and this is how our lives will look. Yeah. I, I'm resting. I've been thinking through just a couple of words, Paul, and it's um, intentional attentiveness. Mm -hmm. You know, being more intentional and being attentive and, and mm -hmm. the sort of areas of attentiveness, uh, attentiveness to what it is to trust God. And for many of us, particularly in a Western context, I, I, I feel strongly that our trust in God gets bolstered also by very much the things that are around us. And we might sing mm -hmm. good songs about trusting God. But actually, when we go through, I, I can see through the lens, particularly of um when I was living in Zimbabwe, but also when I would have been involved with Open Doors, which is mm. a, a link that uh, we yes, have. Yes, with Alison and Douglas. Well, yeah. um, that, you know, you see how through hardship and difficulty yeah. and persecution, that there's a, a new level of trust in God and being attentive to that. What is it that God is really telling us about our faith? Mm. Um, closely related to that is about being attentive to our own soul. Mm. Um, you know, to take, to, to change the line of a well-known hymn, asking the question, is it well with my soul? Hmm. Um, you know, and to really see in this period, what is the Lord saying to me about my life and my yeah. walk with him? Um, what am I taking for granted? And I mean, it, listen, you mentioned about box sets. There's no harm in, uh, you know, us watching things and doing <laughs> leisure things. But I think the thing is, we're at, we need to ask ourselves, what restores the soul? You know, yeah. and, and I, I distinguish, you know, there's there's relaxation, there's rest and there's restoration. I think we need all three of those things. Right. But the restoration is real spiritual feeding on the Lord. And yeah. uh, you don't, you know, so you don't get that from your, your box set as such. Uh, I yeah. don't think, you know, um, I think everybody else will enjoy to relax. And But I think also just to, to widen it a little bit as well is attentiveness to our neighbor. Yeah. I've been struck how many people have said they've become far more aware of their community, the people around them. And I think, I think it would be a real shame if we don't carry that forward. You know, yeah. even some people in churches have said, yes, we miss the fellowshipping. We miss not being able to come together, but it's given us more time to think about our neighborhood and our neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've got, I've got to know, I've got a new friend. He's 93. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, don't very often I go out for a walk and it's just opened up a whole, you know, a new avenue of conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And and the last thing I would just say in this, Paul, is just widening it again to the wider world, you know, and being attentive. And probably most of us are hearing much more about what's happening in other parts of the world. And we're probably yeah. listening more attentively. But 
how do we continue to do that? Yeah. And I find in my life, one of the things that keeps me from becoming too selfish, particularly if I'm living in isolation or in the loneliness, we can get very introvert. But I mean, things like, you know, following the accounts of the persecuted church or yeah. mission agencies and so on. Yeah. I mean, although I worked in Zimbabwe, I never set out as such to be a missionary or to, to have that label attached to me. But I know from day one of my Christian life, I was committed to be a world Christian. Yes. That means being aware of our world and not just listening to the news, but turning yeah. that into prayers, you know, how we pray the news and yeah. just being aware. You know, so I think there's a few things there, Paul, which certainly yeah, I'm working like, on and yeah. I hope to take forward. And I, I, you know, I think that challenge to, to say what is really important, you know, and the, the inner life of the soul of our being, but, but hearing from you very clearly, we need God's perspective on that to get that right, I suppose. And you know, we can't find the answers to that inside ourselves, which uh, maybe some who are listening aren't, aren't uh, Christians, and, and that would be a a challenge for them. Alison, just uh, we're coming towards the, the close, but when people talk about grief, um, they often say things like, you never get back to normal, but there's a new normal. Um, do you want to share just something out of your discovery of, of, of a new normal living uh, as a widow living alone, uh, and especially through lockdown? How, how, what have you been learning about God and faith through that? Well, everybody's journey, Paul, and grief is quite unique to them, uh, depending on, you know, how, the circumstances of the death of their loved one. Mm. In, many, in many senses, for the believer, nothing changes, but mm -hmm. everything changes. Mm -hmm. And um, I love the old chorus, yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same. All may change, but Jesus never, glory to his name. So you move into a whole new season and rhythm of life. Um, um, all the preparation, not only practical preparation, but spiritual preparation, more importantly, that Douglas and I did together, mm. um, has really enabled me to walk this journey well. Our identity primarily was not in our marriage and in each other. It was in Jesus. And so I didn't really experience um, a deep, um, period of grief mm. um, many folks when meeting me often would say to me um, how long is it since you have lost Douglas mm. and I never have that sense my reply is but I haven't lost him mm. I know exactly where he is and I don't have that feeling of having lost him um, you know we think of the scripture again when the tent we live in our body here on earth is torn down God has a home in heaven ready for us. And I love Randy Alcorn's book on heaven. Mm. Our, parting, our parting is not the end of our relationship. It's only an interruption. Mm. We haven't lost them because we know where they are. They're experiencing the joy of heaven and the presence of Jesus. And in a magnificent reunion, they and we will one day be together again. Um, praising him forever and I have such a sense Paul of being in the waiting room mm. for that day. Mm. Um, mm. Some suggested for example I should read C.S. Lewis's book A Grief Observed but I couldn't mm -hmm. identify with it no. because we had prepared well together yeah. 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 and so that was my story and um, and it's still my story I feel the presence I live alone but I'm not lonely 
I feel mm -hmm. the presence of Jesus with me. Yeah. And it's almost it's almost like I can touch the hem of his garment. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Alison, and thank you, Jeff, um, both of you for sharing um, for your personal experience. I'm certainly encouraged um, and, and challenged, and I think those who watch and listen to this, I'm sure will be. Uh, and I would want to say to them, look, you know, this is this is lived experience, the real face in Christ that sustains us. Um, and I hope that those who listen and watch know that and can have assurance in that um, as well. So thank you. For sharing so openly Jeff and, and Alison and thanks to you for, for watching and listening to this episode of Conversations on Coronavirus from the Centre for Christianity and Society. Join us again next week uh, when my colleague Michael Shaw will be talking with Rachel Shields from the Centre and Tim Houston of Crown Jesus Ministries about evangelism, sharing the, the faith in a coronavirus world. If you'd like to continue the conversation, access our resources, invite us to speak or perhaps donate to the work of the centre, please do that on our website christianityinsociety.org or check out our social media feeds at Christ in Society. Thanks.